Nation Radio. This is episode number 36, and for episode number 36, I actually have a special guest. I kicked Marty out and am joined by our chief technology officer, Derek Hyde. Derek, what's going on, man? How you doing, Ryan? Thanks for having me today. Pleasure yeah, this is here. fun. Um, I have wanted to have you on the show for a while, uh, but Marty is like... You know, making room with his with his ego is it's really tough. No, uh, the truth is, um, we have ha- wanted to have you on, but Marty is on a, a trip to South Dakota. He is flying model airplanes in South Dakota, of all things and in all places, and it just presented the perfect opportunity to have you on the show. Very cool. Well, I appreciate you having me on and uh, enjoy our discussion. Yeah, so the thing, the reason I wanted to have you on, dude, was uh, you are our chief technology officer. You are the captain of really the the ship, the product ship. You all the all the uh, all the stuff that I talk about. You're the one that actually makes those things a reality in terms of uh, of, of them doing what we say they're going to do. So I found it. I think um, I wanted to kind of dive into you know who you are, what your background is. We'll talk a little bit about that and then um, get as quickly as we can to what's going on with our technology side. Uh, who are you watching? What companies are you watching? And and really, uh, I'd like to finish today by talking about where you see the technology in the insurance industry, where you see technology in the insurance industry uh, going and uh, and maybe what agents and other technology players, vendors, carriers, uh, where should their minds be at as we move into that space? But uh, to get there, why don't you kind of give everyone a little bit of a, a background on um, what? How did you get to be the the CTO of TrustedChoice.com? All right, well, that's a uh, that's a that's a long story, but I'll make it as brief as I can. Um, no, it's it's great to be talking about this. Um, there's so much awesome news and buzz going on in this insurance technology space. And uh, I'm proud that trustchoice.com is, is part of that mix. Um, well, I, uh, I was born and raised in Los Angeles, um, Southern California, grew across, grew up across the street pretty much from the beach. So I did not go the route of uh, becoming a surfer or a, a beach bum. Rather, uh, my interest actually uh, funny you mentioned that about Marty. My interest back as a kid was airplanes, and um, the engineering and technology side of airplanes always interested me. And my vision of a job when I was young was always to design airplanes. Um, <clears throat> so I uh, decided at a pretty young age I wanted to join um, the aerospace engineering. Uh, department at USC, or actually, I didn't decide at that point, but I knew that was the the route I wanted to go, and I always thought that was really cool, just for my uh, interest of that uh, space. Um, so I ended up going to USC, which was one of the the top schools in the country for that subject matter, um, mostly because growing up in Los Angeles, and where I mean, say growing up, but Los Angeles historically. Uh, has always been a huge aerospace and aviation manufacturing um, location. Uh, companies like McDonnell Douglas, Hughes, um, uh, Grumman, have, for many, many years had always been in that area. So that's why a lot of schools were kind of founded in that region um, to teach the subject. 
So I, I did get in and, and end up graduating. Uh, was very proud of that. But during the course of going to school uh, is when computer science really started kicking into gear. There were programs uh, available, but no one really knew about them. I mean, it was kind of a really new topic. It was a new, it was a new degree as I was getting in. So I was not aware of even what computer science was. Um, and it wasn't until we started using computer computers for our our work that I really started enjoying them and uh, wanted to know more. So that's how I, that was kind of my roots of getting started. It was just my introduction. And uh, from there, I knew I wanted to pursue um, that world a little bit more. You know, it's funny. Um you, you say the thing about the the planes, you know, so many so many little tumblers are clicking into my mind. So for those for those that don't know, well actually most of you probably don't know, uh, when Marty Agather, Derek Hyde, Chip Basioko or CEO, and myself, we spend because we're the four people that probably travel the most in the company, we spend a lot of time um, in hole in the wall bars, dissecting whatever went on during whatever conference we're at that day, you know, kind of decompressing and debriefing. And inevitably, every reference that it always boils down to some crazy off the wall reference to some airplane model that only those three nerds could ever possibly know. And I'm always left sitting there going, yeah, the T-41 X-Wing with the thing. Yeah, I have no idea what you're talking about. So now I get, I so I understood where Ch- Chip had it and I understood where Marty had it. Now I know completely where it comes from for you. Yeah, it. I mean, my, uh, my mom used to take me to uh, LAX as a kid. <clears throat> She'd We'd grab a lunch, and there was a hill on the south side of the south runway that you could watch all the airplanes landing and take off. And we would spend, I would spend hours there just um, watching the planes take off and land. I was just, we were, I was fascinated by it. I just, I just loved that as a kid. There's actually a great restaurant right on the end um, of the runway that you could, it's, it's a literally right at the end of the runway, and uh, it's called, um, I'll think of the name here in a second, but uh, the the Proud Bird. It's called the Proud Bird, and there's actually a little airplane museum right there. But you could sit in the restaurant and watch 740s, 747s land, and you know, uh, right outside the window. It's really a it's really a neat little spot. Yeah, it's the funny part about this is, and this is fairly inside. So most of you listening are like, "Wow, this is terrible radio." But I, you know, these guys, they their references. It's just. That does not sound like fun to me, even a little bit. Like, I know to you and to Marty and to Chip, the three of you could just, like, stand up there and watch airplanes and talk about the difference between a Airbus 747 and a whatever the heck something, you know what I mean? And you guys would be like, oh, well, that one takes off and it it's wind trajectory is blah, 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 but you got to be going 400 knots. Or, and, it like, literally, I could care less. I just I find it so funny. Um, I'm always the odd man out. Um but so okay, so let's let's fast forward a little bit. So um, aerospace to uh, to tech, you got into the computers, computer science. So take us to kind of like um, you know what what got you to being able to manage uh, you know a fairly large project that God, you got so many different pieces going and and stuff today. So and and, and obviously you're doing an incredible job. Um, so like what kind of uh, put you in that space and and got you really into um, not just 
being able to to put code into a computer, but the actual product development side, which I have learned over the last two years, is a whole nother dynamic to computer science and technology development. Yeah. So, I mean, I have um, throughout my career, um, so I will right after school, uh, I did take a certification course, what they called was internet certification. Uh, whatever that actually means today really means nothing. But back then, um, in the uh, late 90s, really meant you get exposure to programming, you get exposure to web design, you get exposure to HTML. And I think there was one other class. So you take those four classes and you get a uh, certification for internet or something to that effect. And uh, obviously, uh, it's come a long way since then. But that, that was what I did right after school. Um, knew a little bit about HTML, ended up getting a job and kind of got a real introduction to the big picture of the technology that runs the internet, uh, the servers, the infrastructure, how uh, how the, the protocols work. So when you, I kind of got thrown into that mix and learned a lot about that sort of thing, um, you know, and what it all comes down to is what I what I guess I have a passion for is problem solving and using software to problem solve, uh, I'd say, an industry or people's lives. And that's what really interests me. I think software is just the tool. It's just the vehicle to get there. Yeah, the vessel. Yeah. And I really enjoy the problem solving. So if I, if I go back and look at all the projects I've been on, it's all problem solving. And that's something I really enjoy. And I think when you talk about the difference between a like a product manager versus a technology manager. I, I believe the, the technology is just kind of how are you doing it? And the product is the vehicle or, or the what, uh, but really you need to know what problem you're solving. And, and that's something I've, I've always enjoyed doing, which is bringing both sides of that equation where you need to know the technology, you need to know the problem you're trying to solve and develop that best solution that uh, really just doesn't meet the needs. It really kind of exceeds the needs. And you know, it's going to be something that's going to be used for a long time and, and, or really change, um, that, that community you're trying to serve. You know, that's one of the lessons or I don't know, things that I've picked up on from you, uh, with my time here at at trustedchoice.com. Um, I had never been in a scenario where you're presented a problem uh, take any basically anything that we've done with the with trustedchoice.com and kind of the back end um, and we'll get into some of that stuff in a couple minutes but you know you're, you're presented with a problem how do we uh, deliver referrals which are uh, high quality which is a fairly subjective thing right uh, fairly subjective or whatever um, to agents in their local market in a timely way I mean there's all these little caveats to the problem and I think the, the, the piece that I've really picked up from you is uh, I think most people's propensity and, and definitely mine before we've had a chance to work together for so long was, um, was just let, what's the thing that gets it done, right? Let's just th- throw some big solution out there. And really, I think what makes um, your team as effective as it is, is, is this uh, – it's something you bring to the table and, and also um, – uh, Michael Rabinowitz, who works with you, 
uh, works for you. Um, this idea of like breaking it into tiny little pieces and like, let's solve this little problem and that will then allow us to solve this little problem. And I think too often, especially with technology, we try to rush to one big splashy solution. So maybe you could talk a little bit about that. And, and you know, when, when agents or, or just anyone who's listening thinks about technology, how do we break that problem solving up because you definitely have this type of mentality um, where I'm more of just like the plow through kind of mentality, <laughs> which you're yeah. aware of. Yeah. Well, you know, we all, we all go down that road some days, especially when it gets later in the night. Um, you know, I guess that's from a, a certain level of experience, but also it's knowing your level of resources and time you can commit to some, to a particular problem. And that's, I think, no matter what your problem is, you got to break it down into those smaller bits and bites, if you will, because um, you can't you can't solve the big problem if you don't solve all the little problems that lead up to the big problem. Um, in the software development world, that's really we call it a story. Um, so one story, when combined with a bunch of stories, becomes an epic, and then you you kind of see how a bigger picture fills out. And it's each one of those little stories that we look as a mini problem. Um, so to build, as you're saying, you know, we want to build some kind of uh, new feature in the system. We don't just say, you know, we might, we don't just go to Adam and say, Adam, build it. Uh, we'll say, Adam, we got uh, this whole thing we need to accomplish. That's, that's the big vision. And then we break it down so each little part can be dissected. And, um, and sometimes we'll just, you know, we'll, we'll, able to break it up to different people as well. But by breaking it up into small chunks is then each little chunk, you know, you kind of know you're getting it right versus waiting till you just hand off a big project, get it back and it's not right. Or you, you've missed some kind of requirement. Well, now you're, you've wasted a whole lot of time. So it's, it's, you know, it's that fail fast scenario. It's better to fail on a small little part than it is on a, a huge you know, projects. So this way, by breaking it down, you know, you're really, you're able to fail fast and you're able to make little course corrections during the, you're talking to weeks here, not months. So it certainly is a much better way, I believe, to handle really any problem. So you talked about the the fail fast mentality and 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 fail forward. There's a lot of different versions of that of that. Uh, I know in the marketing team, um, I have worked very hard to develop a similar culture with with our products. Right, I'm I I encourage the team to come to me with ideas and and try things and you know we're willing to put you know we we call them nickel bets. Right, we'll put a small amount of money at a project and see does it get any results. And if it doesn't, okay. And if we push twenty nickel bets out uh, and and 19 of them fail, we believe that the one that does hit is going to, you know, make us tenfold over the over the total investment. So um, I'd love for you to talk a little bit how you've cultivated that culture, because I know it hasn't always been the case, uh, certainly not with our company as the whole, certainly not with my team, but um, with your team as well. It feels to me since you've taken over and, and, and this is nothing against your predecessor, just it's your you putting this your personality into that team. It really feels like they have adopted that culture. So um, for, the, for the people listening, I know uh, this mentality is something there's a lot of leaders, a lot of managers, a lot of people who, who are seeking to be leaders who listen to this show. And um, I would love for you to talk a little bit about how you have been able to 
instill that culture into your team because they seem to really be drinking that Kool-Aid and it's and it's come through in the work. I mean, the the releases that you guys have had in the last, you know, say three to six months have been of the highest quality of anything that we've produced. And uh, and it's really exciting. So I'd, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that. Sure. I'll, you know, if I go, if I step way back to when I first got to uh, the company about three years ago, a majority, if not actually all of the technology was outsourced and offshored uh, or mostly offshored. Um, and that always presents a whole lot of problems. So when I first started, uh, it was when we as a company started bringing folks internal Um and we've gone through a couple cycles, I'll say. We've gone through a few uh, generations of, of technology folks and engineers. And, um, and it's this culture, as you, as you mentioned, that when I, uh, I guess you could say, restarted the position and, and kind of had the team back under my wings, uh, what I realized was, one, I'm a lot more hands-on. I like being hands-on. I like getting into the weeds. I like helping the guys get through their daily problems. And I think that that creates that culture that I'm there for them. That's that support that I try to give them, um, try to be as involved as I can. And I think that's, I think that says a lot. I'm not trying to, you know, we kind of take the good with the bad as a team. Um, Primarily, I think, the best thing that I've done, in my opinion, is is give them the big picture, give them the vision, and then also give them the tools and the support that they need to get there. So that it's easy to say what you need, uh, like big, big, big picture, but to someone that just needs to know what do I need to do today, uh, it's a hard translation to do all the time. You might tell your team, I want to drive up to 600,000 visitors and then walk away, but without giving them some ideas and support on how they're going to do it, uh, that's a tough, it could be a tough task to do. So, and I kind of see it the same way as, yeah, we have a lot to do. We have a lot of things we need to accomplish and uh, by being able to sit down and, and go out there, um, visit the office, sit down with the team every once in a while and, and just, you know, help them through those issues. I think that's given them a little more loyalty and I see them working later. I see them working harder. Uh, I see them picking up and taking little risks that maybe they wouldn't have done before. Yeah. You know, I, I, I love everything you just said. So the whole idea of being hands-on, I'm completely with you. I feel like, uh, as, and, and again, uh, and you know this and the people that are listening to this, uh, my, my role at trustedchoice.com is very much my first real managerial role, right? It's the first time I've really had people that um, I've had to uh, manage and make sure they get their job done and, and that have reported up to me. And I feel like uh, – and I make mistakes all the time, so by no means am I an expert. There are people who manage a lot longer than me and yourself included. But I feel like that idea of of – it's like – I think there was a time when the culture of most businesses was I am the boss in quotes and and you're my employee and you do what I say. And I know from my own experience and I think uh, uh, as a being an employee and and that it's more managers or lead team leaders or however you want to position yourself. It's more about um, 
one of us, right? You you need to be your 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 staff, your team wants to see that yes, you're you're the decision maker. The buck stops with you, I guess you could say. But ultimately, you're working the same problems. You're you're just as dirty and grimy as anybody else, and you know, and pushing and and that really does create it's it's a it's a paradigm shifter, right? I mean, really, you can see it in people's eyes. They start to they stop questioning you as much uh, because they know that if they if they do have a problem, they can bring it to you and you're going to listen. And uh, I think, I think as, as in, inside the agency system, um, this is something that we can really take note of. Uh, are, are you as a principal or as a high level producer or a, just a producer in general, do you walk through the office with that I sell aloof nature or are you rolling up the sleeves and getting involved in the day to day you know, nonsense that your that your staff has to deal with. You know, are you taking that terrible phone call uh, where the guy's just screaming at you because you didn't change the car? Uh, you know, ten minutes ago you did it an hour ago, right? I mean, I mean, I, those kind of things. I think when people feel like you're one of them, even though you you know, even though you may technically be the manager or the owner, um, that that seems to go a really long way. I totally agree with that. And it is applicable in, in many different uh, cases. Um, I feel it's worked for me. I enjoy it too. I enjoy getting my hands dirty, but I also realize I need to step back sometimes since, um, you know, you get a lot more responsibility. Uh, so you can't do everything, but you know, when every once in a while, when you could spend some time to do certain things, you also create that sense of uh, that get it done attitude, which I truly believe we we have accelerated a lot more, especially with the the type of work that we're taking on now, which is much more high risk, uh, but also higher reward. Well, I think that you have um, officially transitioned our company to being a technology company. I mean, I think that's really what you've done. There was a time when we were really just kind of a sales and marketing company, and we're producing things of substance today. I mean, the the you know, I, I don't always know how to refer to it. The technology, the code, the product, the thing, even though it's a website, you know, the all the stuff behind what you just see on the screen, um, that's not I mean, that's deep. I mean, just, you know, you guys, I mean, I have a fairly deep understanding of technology and you guys just go so much further. It's exciting to me because it feels like where before, you know, we had a few pillars like in some loose gravel. I mean, you, you're really starting to set a foundation for the company and, and, and the, and the product itself that, um, for the future, when we want to make the, opportunistic or tactical adjustments um, will be much, much easier to do. Uh, it, you know, the ship, it will, you know, we're going from like a Titanic in the New York Harbor to, to being able to maneuver quite quickly. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, there's two aspects I'm looking at all this work we're doing right now. You've hit clearly on one of them, which is the foundation. I want that, that really solid foundation that lets us do the next and the next and exciting bigger things we want to tackle, which maybe we can get into here in a second. And the other is is that reliability and scalability. So when I when I take off my product hat and I put my technology hat on, um, what we are serving, what we're doing, is actually changing people's lives. It's changing agents. We're affecting 
the insurance companies, and we're affecting consumers. So when you start changing people's lives, you become a um, much more you're re, you're relied upon in their in that daily aspect. You know, agents are once a week or or even more frequent might be saying, "Hey, I need that." I need that referral from trustchoice.com so I can meet my numbers this month. And now we're and that consumer coming in says, Hey, I, I have this insurance problem and I, and I need an independent agent to solve it. Well, that's affecting lives. And I want to make sure that we are available and scalable 24 uh, seven and try to prevent any downtime. And to do that, um, as any technology person knows, um, it's easy to throw up a website, but to make it available and fail safe to a higher and higher degree becomes um, ever more complicated. And so the code changes we're doing now is going to allow us to be far more scalable and redundant and reliable, so forth and so on. So those are things that are uh, exciting to me. And at the same time, we got to use new cool technologies like um as they're calling it, platform as a service that uh, either Google or Amazon, these type of companies are now providing. So uh, small companies don't need to manage servers. They just need to manage applications. And those applications can be deployed um, very easily into all these cloud services. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's exciting stuff. So so let's get into some of that exciting stuff here as we as we move on. Um, first, before we get to what's coming, I know it's it, we're getting a little farther away from it now, though. But just I would love to get your take and and talk us through a little bit. Um, really, the biggest. Uh, tactical deployment we've ever had uh, on the platform, and that's the new workflow. Could you talk us a little bit through uh, your mindset and what it took to put that together, uh, why uh, you pushed so hard for that? And obviously, it's been an incredible decision. We we went from, uh, and, and again, we don't, Marty and I don't get too trustedchoice.com on the show, but um, uh, just for people that don't know, uh, in the month from the month of July to the month of August, when um, uh, Derek's team uh, released the the product improvement, he's going to discuss in a second. We went from eighty three hundred referrals delivered to ten thousand seven hundred. That's a twenty four hundred referral increase from this deployment. So, uh, just talk a little bit about what it was, why you thought it was going to work, and um, and maybe uh, what. Uh, brand of champagne you popped when it actually did work? Well, you know, if you go back to the beginning of the year, um, we were doing good work. We were we were solid. There was a solid numbers were going up. Uh, and it was due to the changes that we had made at like, let's say the end of 2015. Uh, growth was steady. Um, but the one thing we kept missing, and this was this was actually something that we had pushed for and it was great, which were the phone, what we called phone call referrals. A phone call referral is when a consumer comes into the site, they put in some very basic information about what kind of insurance they're looking for and they'd find an agent. If they called that agent, we would track the call. Um, but at that point, they had not put any contact information about themselves, and we really didn't know. Um, we didn't link up the data side into that call. Uh, and since we did so many 
phone calls and we generated so many phone call referrals, there a large segment of our data uh, was kind of void of contact information. And thus, I believed that our data quality was le- was less and thus we did not have the perceived value from agents and our insurance companies that I believed we should be getting credit for. So that was one of our one of the issues that uh, I knew was in the back of my mind as we approached that. And then I think the other was just consumer intent. If we had a lot of people just looking uh, at agents, I think there was a higher probability that they might uh, jump over to their website or Google them, so forth and so on. We always call those the turnstile jumpers. Yep. And we know people do that, and that's fine. But at least if we had their name and contact information, we had a we always had a way to reach back to them and say, "Hey, I saw you were looking for insurance. You know, can we help you?" So we'd have that minimum amount of information. So with those kind of things combined, we knew we had to do this pretty major workflow where we brought forward that contact in that contact form in front of the results. Now every person that completes that workflow and sees agents, we have all their data. We have all the contact information. And then if they call or just choose to email, um, we always can trace back what's happening there. So we knew that was a, uh, was a real uh, benefit. And uh, for us, from a data perspective, from the agents, from a, from a referral quality perspective, now they're, they're seeing a lot more data coming through, especially on those weekends and nights when we know agents aren't as active. They come back in the morning on a Monday morning and just so happens they see a couple folks had tried to contact them over the weekend and now they can reach back to them. Whereas before that was, that was lost business. So it was lost. Yeah. And it's been incredible because it's almost seemed like the psychology of a lot of consumers is that they've, they've been looking for that. Like mm-hmm. they, the fact that we weren't asking those questions on the upfront was almost like a detractor to them because uh, I mean, there's other things going on too that have contributed to the increase, but I mean, the the going concern among the team, and again, I, I'm perfectly uh, okay sharing this, is you know the going concern among the team is when we release this, we possibly might see a downtick in referrals. You know, we do, hey, you're asking questions up front. Maybe people say, eh, I don't want to do that, and uh, and we lose some referral numbers. And we were prepared uh, for that to happen. You know, we're obviously always trying to push the envelope and and deliver both higher quantity and quality, but. I, I know, you know, we had had a few discussions as a group saying, uh, <laughs> let's hope this works kind of thing. And, um, and man, I mean, just knocked it out of the park. Our team, we had some bets before we released this. Oh, bets. We had discussions. Um, I was, I was okay with a 20% loss, 20, 15 to 20% loss was my, okay, this was kind of expected, um, but we knew we'd be getting more data, high quality, maybe 20% loss. I had some folks on the team thought it could be as great as a 50% reduction in referrals. Um, but fortunately, um, it went up and we made a few tweaks a few weeks after we launched it to get it to that 10,000 mark. And we blew our records out of the water. So that was that was really exciting. It's just, it's funny, you know, you, you, 
uh, on this show, me and Marty talk about the kind of failure thing. I've written about it. I've talked to agents about it in different presentations and stuff. But, you know, I think sometimes people probably don't realize what it's like to live it every day. Like when we talk about this stuff, and for those of you guys listening at home, you know that, you know, we don't we don't bullshit too much on this show in terms of, uh, you know, we're pretty honest about what goes on here. But, you know, you kind of when you're building something that's never been built before. Right. And And this can go whether it's a technology company or you're working inside your agency, right? There is not a best practices plan for taking your agency into the digital age. There are tons of great tools, but there isn't like a box that you can open and it just happens, right? You have to kind of push your way through, make tactical bets, guesses on what you think is going to work. And, um, you know, I think in, in, in solving, I mean, I love kind of how we've walked through this. We've, you know, solve the little problems one at a time i i shared a i shared an article with the team though the whole team a couple days ago that i i found um and it it talked about how uh it talked about the grand canyon right the grand canyon was not created by some large earthquake or by uh even the you know the retraction of you know like the finger lakes up here where the retraction of of ice from the ice age you know one big kind of major event it took centuries of erosion from the Colorado River uh, to 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 create the Grand Canyon. It took tons of time, and I think it's it's a very similar thing, right? Solve a little problem, solve a little problem, solve a little problem, solve a little problem, and all of a sudden you come up for air, and you're like, "Wow, look how far we've gotten!" I think it's absolutely incredible. So, uh, Derek, I, I, we're getting close to the to the time here. I would love. Um, I'd love for you to just kind of close out. Give us kind of a high level of when you look out over the future of what we're doing as much as you can. You know, I don't want you to give away any of the the trade secrets or whatever. But, you know, as much as you can kind of maybe just give us a little idea of what's coming down the pipe and and what you guys are working towards um, in order to to just take this thing to the next level. Yeah. Um, you know, after we get done with our code modernization kind of project, we are working quickly towards what we're calling our producer model. That's where we're shifting away from agencies being listed on the platform to where brokers and agents are listed. We feel that's going to be a much higher uh, relationship building process more than just a find an agent process. So that's something we're quite excited about. So once we get to that point, once we're at that producer model, we feel we can do so much more with that, um, knowing a little bit more about what happens to those referrals and leads once we provide them to agents. Uh, are they closing them? Uh, premiums, if not, you know how we can better serve that customer moving forward. Additionally, we want to you know, I'll, I'll go back on my, my soapbox a little bit. And I think everything that we're doing, and I believe a lot of the other insure tech companies in this, in the space right now are really focusing on customer experience, that customer experience, um, on all aspects, whether it's, uh, talking to an agent, whether it's pricing or underwriting or, or whatever you're trying to do, you want that better customer experience. Um, and that's where we feel we're moving as well. And when that customer experience, who, when they want to talk to that independent agent, we need to make sure that that agent is willing and able to talk to that person right then and there. And we want to connect that consumer to that agent. There's a lot of great agents out there, uh, but are they ready right that minute? 
Are they available that second to talk to that person? And that's the model that we believe we should build towards. Uh, that's probably the ideal model. We know there's going to be a lot of, uh, you know, cases where that's not always going to happen. But we always we always hear on calls, especially that it's. A, I believe it's a real simple thing that an agent can do to to double the chance of closing that. And it's a simple phrase: "I can help you." So the quicker we can get that agent saying to that to that customer, "I can help you." that's as good as closed business right there at that point. So we'll do all the technology to make sure that we think that agent and that consumer are best talking to each other. And at that point that, that agent just needs to say a few words and, and hold their hand through that process. It really is amazing that you brought that up. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, it is, uh, you know, we, we look at our job as how what does the agent want to write? What does that person need? And can we find the agent in the moment who will pick up the phone and, and answer the phone for whatever reason? Not I'm not indicting anyone. Just, you know, hey, whatever, for whatever reason, you're ready. If the phone rings, it's a piece of business you want. Someone who is in your footprint and bam, there's that connection because then that agent can help and wants to help that person. Yeah. And literally on the phone, when that agent says, sure, we can help you or we'd love to help you or like that phrasing, when that comes out in, in whatever variation it takes, man, you can hear, you can almost hear the stress in the caller's voice come down. And the reason we can say this because between Derek, myself, Chip, Mark, we've listened to maybe tens of thousands of phone calls at this point. Um, you can hear the stress come down and the barriers come down because remember, you know, and this is the key to inbound marketing in general, not just trustedchoice.com, but the stuff we're teaching at Agency Nation and Agency Nation University. Uh, it's when someone picks up the phone and calls your agency, they don't want to have to make another call, right? They're 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 calling you because they want you to be the solution. They're not shopping you. They want you to be a solution. No one has time to waste shopping today. They shop when they don't until they find a solution that makes them feel comfortable. And once they do, bam, that's it. So we're going to continue to try to do a better job of connecting you, the agent, with the consumer that you want to write in the moment that you're available to write that business. And then there's a lot of moving pieces there. I mean, this is still, you know, the, the, the vision of this is there, but it's still a little blurry. Like Derek said, he's got a thousand problems to solve between now and it being perfect. Um but man, I just you're right on it, man. That that getting them to say I can help you, that's really what we're trying to do. You know, I will I'll your analogy of the uh, Colorado River, which is a very beautiful place. I was just there not too long ago. Um, it's where we're headed. I mean, with our with our building software and everything we're trying to do in trustchoice.com. Um it's a slow process. It's learning, it's building, it's building, it's rebuilding, and slowly we'll get to that point that will start making that impact. And, you know, it's never going to be done. Uh, we'll always be adding new features, integrating to new technology partners, um, implementing a new idea, um, whatever it may be, but I don't think we're ever going to be done. Well, I hope not because the day we're done, we're all going to get fired and they're going to let us all go. So I hope that <laughs> That's when happen. we're on our yacht, right? We're sitting back on the yacht and this thing is just cranking. <laughs> We're all sitting on one big yacht together. Um, <laughs> no, hey, man, uh, I appreciate you taking the time. I know you're incredibly busy uh, with everything that you have going on, everything you just explained to us. Um, I appreciate it. 
this has been fantastic. I think I would like to make this maybe like a quarterly thing, have you back on now that everyone has a chance to get to know you, uh, bring you back in, talk a little bit more about what's going on from a technology side. We didn't really get to talk about like the the, the future of insure tech and what's going on in that space. So I think we've kind of left a, a really kind of juicy chunk uh, for the next time you come on. But uh, appreciate it. Appreciate, you know, working with you has been phenomenal. And, um, and I think this was really good. Well, thanks, Ryan. Pleasure's been mine. Uh, I would love to come back on. I think there's a lot of exciting things in the space. Uh, I would love to discuss with you how I think TrustChoice.com kind of fits in the middle um, where we are kind of the conduit to all these new insurance technology partners out there. Uh, well, that's great, dude. Can't wait to have you back on the show. For all of you listening at home, if you are interested in learning more about trustedchoice.com, you can go to agencynation.com forward slash the word advantage forward slash advantage. Uh, and if you're interested in Agency Nation University, remember as a podcast listener, you get the super special secret deal Go to university.agencynation.com. You can take a free trial, so you can take it for a spin, uh, no cost, or or if you're looking to get in, um, Z2S, Z, the number two, S, early bird, all one word. Type it in. Make sure you type it in. Z, the number two, S, early bird. Type that in. And in the coupon code at checkout, you get 50% off lifetime of your membership at Agency Nation. Uh, university. Looking forward to having all you guys. Uh, the university is going phenomenally well. All the stuff we talked about today, uh, you know, we're, we're taking and extracting uh, what the technology team is doing and putting it into our work there to help you do this stuff for yourself. So trustedchoice.com does it for you on one half and the other half is doing it yourself and together it is a, it is a serious, serious force to be reckoned with. So thanks guys. This has been episode number 36. Our pleasure, we're out.